Got car trouble. Now's the time to talk with Jerry on the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show. Call in now at 719-1490. Well, if you're one of the millions who own one of them gas-drinking, piston clanking, air-polluting, smoke-belching, four-wheeled buggies from Detroit City, then pay attention. I'm about to sing your song, son. Yeah, this is Jerry. I'm on. Good morning, and welcome to the Simmons Car Care Talk Show on ESPN 104.9 FM. This is Brian, your host, Mr. Test First Don't Guess. Good morning, everybody. And I understand Jerry's with us? Yeah, I just I just tapped in, buddy. I'm on the road, but I'm calling. What you doing driving around? It's all dark out. You should be home in bed. Yeah, I know, but I've got a symposium to do at the University of Arizona today uh, for the veterinarian sympo- symposium at the sixth annual veterinarian symposium. Symposium. <laughs> I'll get it right in a minute. Uh, Suppose something, huh? Gotta be over, yeah, I've got to be over there at 7 o'clock, so uh, I'm going to probably I'll hang with you as long as I possibly can, but I've got some dead spots for cell phone between here and there. So I may drop off, but that's what you're doing this morning. So welcome aboard, big guy. Right on. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, Again, you can uh, give us a call. Open lines today, 719-1490. That's 719-1490. You can listen to us on 104.9 FM and 1490 AM. You can also stream the show and listen to past shows on ESPNTucson.com. There's podcasts on there. So it's been quite a week. I tell you, we've all been really busy. Uh, People are paying attention. They're repairing their cars, most of them anyway. You know, we've always talked about fluids and the importance of keeping them clean. But the other thing is, is fluid leaks. You know, I get people asking me, well, gee, how bad's it leaking? Well, what do you mean, how bad's it leaking? It's a sealed system. It's not supposed to leak. I mean, I've got a for instance here. This week we had a little Jeep come in here, manual transmission, and it had a fluid leak. The fluid leak was the oil from the transmission. Now, keep in mind, this thing only holds three quarts. And if it's leaking and you wait long enough, you're going to do some damage. So customers' concern is, is, well, it's been leaking for about three weeks. 
And now we've got a noise that we haven't heard before. Well, the noise is due to it was two courts low, so two courts was missing of the three. One quart of oil in that transmission is not enough for the gears to pick up and throw the oil around and keep everything lubricated. Uh-oh. <laughs> I mean, it's not funny, but, you know, the thing is, had the person called us and got the vehicle in immediately when they started to notice these drops of oil on the ground, we could have saved it. But he waited too long. Ooh, that's a, that's and, a You know, the same mistake. goes... Well, yeah, I mean, pay attention. We always say pay attention. What is your vehicle trying to tell you? Well, if it's got oil on the ground, it's trying to tell you that, hey, I've got a problem. You know? I mean, there's many things that can leak. I mean, you have cooling systems, antifreeze. You know, what's on the ground? What you can do is if you see something and you don't... Yeah, what color is it? You know, if you don't know how to identify it, you can take a put a piece of uh, paper towel down, get a sample for us, and bring it in, and let us get it up in the air and find out where this is coming from. You know, many things can leak. You've got power steering, you've got transmission oil, automatic or manual. I've spoken in the past about these little, you know, these little SUV all-wheel drives. They got that little tiny transfer case underneath there that has about a pint of oil in it. Think about that, a pint. It wouldn't take much to leak out of that to cause some serious problems. And, oh, boy, those things are expensive to replace. You know, you've got differentials, differential covers that leak. you got transfer cases that leak, power steering, pumps, steering gears, steering racks, and, uh, you know, antifreeze we spoke of, uh, radiators, all these different fluids. If anything is on the ground, get your vehicle in and get it checked out and get it fixed. Because I can assure you that that repair is going to be much less than the catastrophic damage that can be caused from waiting till it's too late. Correct. So, again, you can call in on 719-1490. It's open lines today. This is Brian from Automotive Specialist, Mr. Test First, Don't Guess, your host today. And Jerry, for a short time, is going to be riding shotgun with me. So and a lot of other things we'll, that we've been seeing. Go ahead. Hopefully that uh, by the time I get through riding shotgun or run out of cell phone, then Jim from Frontier Towing will be coming in. He's driving back from Las Vegas, and uh, as soon as he gets within sail range where he's not going in and out, then he's going to call. He said it'll probably be seven, six thirty to six forty-five. So, but I can, I'll probably be on here. I think I can manage it until Jim actually shows up. So, right, you, you'll be covered. We got you're doing a good job. Go for it, man. <laughs> 
so like I said, we've been super busy. There's a good variety of different things coming in. Um, you know, we're covering the leaks and different things. Uh, you know, we talk about the cooling systems, and, you know, that's a big deal when, you know, the temperature swing of 50 degrees that we've had, you know, from the hot to the cold, uh, it aggravates these things because you've got uh, a lot of different you know, you've got different metals on the motors. You've got plastic intake manifolds that have antifreeze running through them. Uh, very low torque on the bolts. And believe it or not, the gaskets are plastic in between the plastic intake manifold and the, and the cylinder heads with a little piece of rubber impregnated into it. Um, you know, those like to leak. Uh, had a old, older Toyota in here this week that was leaking antifreeze from just about every point that it possibly could. Uh, the customer stated that uh, he couldn't hardly keep water in that thing. He'd have to fill it like twice a day. And he's lucky that he didn't cook the motor because this thing, I, it was the worst cooling system leak that I've ever seen. So we've had things like that. Um, you know, we've had uh, power steering racks leaking. We've had, you know, numerous things going on around here. We've had a lot of uh, check engine light problems, uh, EVAP problems, uh, engines running lean, misfires. You know, there's a multiple of reasons that the check engine light comes on as well. So, you know, pay attention. You know, what's your vehicle trying to tell you? I always say, if you pay attention to it, get it in, get it repaired. When you notice something that isn't the ordinary, we can save you some money. Because I can assure you, again, the repair is going to be less than what the alternative will be if you wait until it breaks. Oh, yeah. That breakdown maintenance can get in your billfold really quick. Preventive maintenance, you can control it. And the way you determine which one is breakdown maintenance and preventive maintenance is who takes who to the shop. If you've got a, if your vehicle goes into Brian, what was the cause of it going into Brian or Simmons or Parker? Was it the vehicle, the light come on and stayed solid on the metal indicator light on the dash? Or did it break down and you have to have it towed in by Frontier Towing to get it into Brian's? Uh, because when the vehicle tells you, I'm going to the shop, whether you like it or not, I'm going to the shop. That's called breakdown maintenance. When you say, okay, I'm going to schedule this thing uh, for next week because I need an oil service in it or I need a serpentine belt changed or a preventive maintenance type thing, then that's preventive maintenance. Preventive maintenance versus breakdown maintenance is probably about 30% or less of the cost. And most time it's less than 30% of the repair cost. Transfer case, how much is that little transfer case you're talking about, Brian? Oh, it's over $2,000. Okay. And how much does that all change on that transfer case? Or, uh, the less repair. than 100 The wor worst scenario on the repair of the leak. The worst scenario, I mean, the parts alone are over a couple thousand dollars to replace. 
Right. You know, now, if you had to go in and old, repair, yeah, you could have a four or five hundred dollar repair. Okay. Okay. That's slightly cheaper than twenty five hundred. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. All right. And the other thing the, is the ones that have these big four befores, like your 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 truck with the big transfer case in it. If it has a leak in it, how how many quarts does that thing take? About three and a half, four? I can't remember. About four or five, yeah. Yeah. And so if you hit notice a leak under that at one drop at a shot, you've got a little longer than you do on these little SUVs, all wheel drives. And some of these little teeny weeny transfer cases. So you've actually got a little bit of time once you see that leak to get it in and get it fixed, providing it's a small leak. But it's hard because once you drive it on the road and the, the lube heats up, it flows out easier than it does just sitting there with no pressure on it. So you really, it's hard to tell how big of a mess you got that you're into without actually getting it in, getting it up, let a professional check the levels on that thing, find out where the leak is, and then you can go from there. You know, but you have to, it has to be, you have to follow it. <laughs> There's no other way I can say it. You just have to follow it. If you see uh, oil on the inside of the rear brakes, you know, coming out of the axle housing to the inside, running down the backing plate, uh, that is something that you need to get fixed because it's pumping the oil from the differential out to the axle bearings, and it's leaking. So you're actually taking the oil away from the ring and pinion. To replace an axle bearing is one thing. To replace a ring and pinion is a different ball game. I mean, that son of a gun gets up in that $2,000 bracket in a hurry. So you, you just the main thing is keep an eye out for this stuff and look under it and get it get it before it gets you because Brian will tell you, I will tell you, Parker will tell you, anybody will tell you that owns a shop. It will get in your billfold in a hurry if you don't get these major items fixed. And for the guys on the diesels that are running around and they've got leaks coming everywhere out of the engine, it used to be an old saying, if it's a diesel, it leaks. Well, that's not the case anymore. So, but if you do spot a leak on a diesel, give it immediate attention because that son of a gun will eat your billfold up, uh, your checking account, your 401k and everything else. I mean, diesels are very expensive to maintain. They're even, they're almost prohibitive to go in and fix them if you don't maintain them because after a period of about 60, 70,000 miles, everything starts coming apart if you don't maintain them. And then you take it into a shop and say, well, I need this checked out. And then somebody checks it out and says, you got about $5,000 worth of damage and leaks that has to be fixed on this if you plan on driving it from here to Phoenix. And people want to throw up, and I don't blame you. I'd throw up, too. So it's just it's a matter of you staying on top of your maintenance programs on these things. Now, you, you get a vehicle from a, a dealership and says, okay, you got a three-year, 36,000-mile warranty on the powertrain. You can buy an extra warranty on this powertrain up to 100000 for about $3,000. And you say, okay, well, that's cool. So you just think, well, I don't have, and don't make this mistake. 
I don't have to really do anything. It's got warranty all the way to 100,000 miles. Yeah, but there are stipulations to the warranty. Warranty doesn't cover uh, you not paying attention. It does not cover uh, the oil level going down to the point where it takes the engine out. That's on you. Check your oil. Know how to check your oil. If you can't, take it into Brian. He'll show you. Parker will show you. Simmons will show you. We will show you how to identify these things. And if we have to put together a clinic to get everybody involved in it and go through these little things, we can probably do that too. But you, it, that's on you. You have to hold up your end of that warranty in order for that warranty to be in effect. Yeah, there's a lot of truth to that, too. And for you do-it-yourselfers out there, that um, if you're going and buying the fluids or the filters or whatever, take that receipt, which is on a piece of thermal paper most often, make a copy of it, and put it away so you have it. Because it's okay to do it yourself, but if it comes to a warranty issue, you need to have proof that you did the maintenance. If you don't have proof, warranty is void. I mean, I've had this happen before where, you know, someone comes in and they've got engine problems, meaning replacement, and call the warranty company. And yeah, the motor's covered. But the inspector comes out and he goes, where's the proof of the maintenance? So we got to call the customer and ask him, where's the proof of the maintenance? Well, I did it here, there, and everywhere, but I don't have any of the receipts. Well, we got a problem now. Warranty company doesn't want to cover it. That's issue one. Issue two is, is that individual would go to whoever was cheapest. So they never went to the same repair facility. We've talked about this before. Find a good shop, go to the same repair facility, and build a history with them. Because this other person went to every other place that was the cheapest place to get this, that, or that done, they couldn't keep track in their mind as to where they were and what they had done. So they couldn't even call, have the convenience of calling their repair facility and saying, hey, can you print me up all my history? They couldn't pull it off. And the warranty company said, sorry. We're not going to cover this. I, I mean, we have spoke about this way too often. Find a good repair facility, build a relationship with them, and stick with them and continue to go to them. Because all our customers, hey, if they were in that situation, let's say they came to us always. And we did all the maintenance on their vehicle. And they took off and went to Minnesota. And not a good place to go right now. It's really cold up there, by the way. Um, so anyway, they're up in Minnesota, and they've got engine problems or problems with something that's covered under the warranty. But they're in Minnesota, and they go, well, I, d I don't have any of the receipts. 
Well, then they go, well, wait a minute. We go to automotive specialists all the time. So they call Brian or Mitch and say, hey, this is so-and-so. I've got a warranty issue. I need all my receipts. No problem. I can either fax them to you wherever you're at, email them to you, whatever i got to do. We're here to help. Now, how convenient is that? That's why I say find a good repair facility, stick with them, build a relationship with them, because then you're covered. Again, you can call in at 719-1490. That's 719-1490. we got open lines today. This is Brian from Automotive. Your host today. Jerry was you? with us. He must have. Yeah. Yeah, okay, I'm back. Told you about lose. But um, I'm back. Should be driving now for a while, so I should be able to stay in here. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, good. Huh. I can't hear you through my earphones. Well. Can you hear me now? <laughs> there you go. I'm just going to... As we always said, you know, feel it. You know, pay attention to your vehicle. Does it feel different when you're driving down the road? Um, When you're driving down the road, does it pull a drift to the right or the left? You know, if it is, you know, you may have an alignment problem or something, a bad tire. You know, we've seen vehicles come in here where they say, well, I think I need an alignment. We had a Dodge in here this week. Says I need alignment. It pulls to the right. Well, the first thing to do is get it on the alignment machine and check out all the steering components. Make sure they're all tight. In this instant, his steering and suspension was in really good shape. He had a tire problem. It was, you know, hardly able to be visually seen. But the first thing I said, well, let's. Uh, Let's cross those front tires. Take the right and move it to the left, left and move it to the right. What we're doing is is we're trying to see if we can make the problem move from drifting to the right to drifting to the left. So the simple button is is to rotate or cross the front tires. We cross the front tires, guess what? Vehicle now goes to the left. So we've got a problem with the tire, tire separation, beginning. So in that case, it was rather simple, and he didn't need an alignment. But in other cases, you know, if you've got a lot of miles on your vehicle and it's been a while since it's had an alignment, might be time to get it in, you know. There's a lot of components on the front of your vehicle that have to be checked, You've got ball joints, bushings, coil springs, which are responsible for the ride height, because if the ride height isn't correct, it changes all the angles. You've got control arms, control arm bushings. You've got CV joints, shock absorbers and struts, stabilizer bars, stabilizer bar links, tie rods, inners, outers, steering gears, steering racks. All these things need to be in good, in really good condition and tight. Because if they're not, 
Yeah, you can bring it in. We can do an alignment on it, no problem. And then when we back off the alignment rack and take off across the uh, parking lot, it'll be out of alignment again because all these pieces are loose. I mean, in the past couple weeks, we've done an awful lot of steering and suspension repairs. I mean, a lot. Control arms, uppers, lowers, front, rear, you know, shocks, struts, coil springs, everything has come through this shop. And believe it or not, people are, you know, they're repairing these things, and they're big repairs. You know, it used to be scary to do a big repair, and people would say, ah, I'm just going to go buy a new car. We'll try that today. Good luck. It's not real easy to buy a new vehicle. And, twice, and again, the cost. I mean, I had a guy come in here. He thought he got a really good deal. He bought a new diesel truck, and it was $78,000. Good Lord, that's about what my first house cost. Think about it. <laughs> You know, that's just crazy. And then the used car market, I have people come in here, and they say it's just crazy what they're asking for these used cars with 100,000 miles on it. Uh, One of my good customers, he has a Honda Pilot, and, yeah, it's time to replace it. He's got 300 and some thousand miles on it. But he can't find a good used car that's affordable, so his response is, "Is I think we're going to fix mine, which could be a few thousand dollars. But does it make sense? I mean, would you rather spend a few thousand dollars, or would you rather spend eleven, twelve thousand dollars on a used car that has a three thousand dollar problem? Been there, seen it, fixed it. You know." That gets back to the pre-purchase inspection. For those of you out there that are looking for a used vehicle, get a pre-purchase inspection done on that vehicle. Be the best $100 you ever spent. Oh, yeah. You know, you need to find out if if you're going in. (laughs) You know, I've seen it too often. I've seen vehicles come in here for a pre-purchase that, you know, some don't need anything. Yeah, they're in really good shape. Yeah. Others need three, four, five thousand dollars worth of work, and there's been a few that come through here that were had so much needed that it wasn't worthy of buying. Period. Now, granted, there are some good used vehicles out there. I, I mean, I've got one. I'm going to put up for sale soon. Our Nissan 2006 Titan. That vehicle's got about eighty-nine thousand miles on it, and it's in really good shape. It's been maintained. There's nothing wrong with it. So there are some good ones out there. There are some bad. Pre-purchase inspection. Don't forget to get that done when you're buying a used car. By all means, get it done. Uh, I got a call this past week, Brian, from a client that I didn't know he was a client of Simmons, but he turned out he finally told me he was a client over there and uh, is on a pre-purchase. What he did is he went to White Mountains to buy a trailer, uh, one of these food trailers, and up at Sholo, and he's seen the trailer, and it's an 8,000-pound trailer. It's huge. And uh, he was pulling, uh, he was driving a half-ton truck, and he says, I don't 
think this truck is big enough to handle that trailer. It's massive in size. And so he had his sister-in-law with him and his wife, and his sister-in-law asked the guy, said, are you going to sell your truck, too? It's a three-quarter-ton Ford, 2006, with a 6.0 in it. And so he did. He bought the truck, got a super steal on the truck and rig. And uh, he said he drove it from a White Mountain to Tucson, had no problem whatsoever. He said he was a little apprehensive because he'd been listening and hearing us say, be sure if you buy something out of the area, get it checked out out of the area. He said, but I didn't have time and there was nobody open to get it checked out, so I just bought it. I figure, okay, he only paid ten grand for it. He got 126000 or something like that on it. I said, okay. And so I told him about the little uh, issues with them. And I told him what his options are, and he said, well, you're telling me the same thing. It, when I Googled everything on it, that's, they told me the same exact thing. So I I've, I've bought it cheap enough to where I can actually put, if I want to, the bulletproof system in it for about anywhere from seven to ten grand, depending on what you run into. And uh, it, it should be good to go. And I said, are you going to be running out of town or just primarily in town? He said, I'm running primarily in town. I said, okay. What other questions do you have? He says, all the fluid levels, I don't have any history on changing the fluids. What I'm going to do, now this is a client, a, a, a intelligent client. He said, I'm going to take it in, and I'm going to have all the fluids changed. If it's liquid, they're going to be changed. And he said, and then I'm going to start my own process because the vehicle that we checked out for him seven years ago is that half-ton Chevy that he's still driving. He did the same thing with it. He keeps it maintained all the time, and it's still driving. It's just not big enough to do the job this time. So if just remember, when you buy something, if the price, one, you're not going to buy an 06 diesel for ten grand <laughs> with 121,000 miles on it. it. You just can't find them. And so he's about probably 1,000 to 1,500 or fifteen, well, yeah, thousand to fifteen hundred under uh, what that thing would shuffle on the street. A little bit of money to play with there, and well, thousand. No, he's about six thousand under what it he could spend on the street. So he's good to go, but he's got a plan. He knows what makes him last, and he knows what he's getting into. He's been he's looked it up in Google. He's listened to this show and found out, and he's verified everything. So he seems pretty comfortable with it. So if you're going to buy one out of town, you need to look. Look for oil leaks if you don't have a technician with you. Look for oil leaks. Look for how the vehicle starts. Does it start right now or does it grind a while before it fires off? That could indicate low compression or fuel delivery issues. So what you have to do is just check it out the best you can. If it's during the week and when you're up there, call your shop. Call Simmons, call Automotive Specialist, call Parker Automotive, and tell them what you're looking at and get them to walk you through it. I've done it before. It works good. And then you can be feel pretty comfortable that even at ten grand for a diesel, that's just absolutely worth it. 
uh, how much will it take without a checkout? What are you going to run into when you actually take that thing into a shop and have it professionally checked out? So that's that's my little tip for you. But it worked for him. Yeah, keep it, it worked for you. Keep in mind too, you know, with your diesels, you go in and have this maintenance done. It's going to be about twice what it is for a regular car, automobile, light right. truck, SUV, because of the fluids. You know, yep. you got a cooling system in a regular car that may hold two gallons. Your diesel's going to hold four or five. Yep. Just like the differentials. They could hold three to four quarts of oil where your little SUV might hold a quart. So That's when right. you have a diesel, everything's doubled. And, yeah, it gets expensive. I mean, I service my diesel, 30,000 miles. It comes into the shop, and every single fluid gets changed in it, everything. Front and rear differential, transfer case, transmission, antifreeze, power steering, brake fluid, everything. Yep. And, yeah, it's expensive. More so, too, because... Most all of those fluids are synthetics. That's right. So, yeah, my, it costs a little bit of money. But, my, yeah, it's worth it. The alternative is you don't have things breaking. Like, for instance, you go in and repair a differential, replace a ring gear and pinion, axle seals, oil, labor, parts, everything out the door, you're going to be close to $2,000. By the time that's done, or more, or more, yeah, or more. The um, I've seen what, it go a lot. The last time I had more. my oil change, last time I had my oil change in my diesel, and most of it, like you say, is synthetic. With that, just the oil change and a filter was right at a hundred dollar bill. I mean, it was in within pennies of a hundred dollar bill, and because one is the more. The bigger the pan, the more the oil you have to have. And if it's full synthetic, uh, the more expensive it is. But your alternative sucks. And you just, I mean, it just, it's too expensive not to change it. I mean, you think, oh, my gosh, this is a $100 bill. Hey, buddy. Uh, engine is anywhere from twelve to 18000 Air filters is another thing that people forget to change on a diesel. They say, well, you know, I'm waiting for the indicator to come on. I love that indicator. That reminds me of the idiot light you used to have. Okay, it's time. Whoops, sorry about that. It was supposed to have already been done. And uh, I just, if they could tell me when the oil breaks down to the point that it starts to create wear inside the engine, I'd be happy if somebody put a number on that. But until then, if that oil looks dirty, it probably is. If you've been hauling with it, you've been running in a dust storm, one a haboob or something like that, don't assume that that engine oil is still as good as it was the day you put it in because it's designed to keep the impurities out, and that's what it tries to do. But after a time, it um, it the the oil base itself does not wear out. The additives inside the oil that you're using to lubricate that, that's what wears out, is the clean, its ability to clean and keep things suspended. 
is what's wearing out. The oil stabilization is wearing out. You still have oil, and it'll still lose, but it won't clean. And then you've got a bigger mess, and then you start another little route down the road. Okay, that's all i got to say. Yeah, you know, right now. There, there's a lot of people that they totally rely on those indicators, you know, the oil life monitor or, yeah. you know, the fuel filter uh, percentage when, it, when it's time to be changed. You know, all these things were set up to notify you that it's time in a perfect environment. And we don't live in a perfect environment. It's hot here. No, this is severe climate. <laughs> severe, severe. And, you know, I've seen these indicators where, gosh, some of them, they don't go off for about 10,000 miles. I would never put 10,000 miles on anything that I own without changing the oil. 3,000 miles on regular paraffin-based oil is our recommendation in 5,000 miles on full synthetic. That doesn't mean wait for the percentage to go to zero on your oil life monitor. Mm-hmm. You know, you were talking about that indicator on the side of the air cleaner box. Yeah. I have yet to see that thing ever trigger to the point where it says to re- replace it. I have seen the air cleaner so plugged that that diesel turbo almost sucked it up into the air cleaner housing. That's right. And that thing still wasn't tripped. So, you know, I wouldn't totally rely on these oil life monitors and filter indicators. I'd just go with a good rule of thumb, time, mileage, get it done. As far as your oil changes, as far as your other fluid exchanges, time, mileage. Just set that time, set that mileage, and do it. Cheaper, by far the alternative. Well, it's like, well, let's go pick on my old 97 GMC. 240,000 miles. It's been maintained, maintained, maintained. Same differential. Same transfer case. Same front differential. No problems. I keep the oil clean. There's your reward. That's well, this right. part of the show is brought That's to right. you by Spectrum, Ina Road Auto Collision. They're over here on Northwest Tucson, about a mile to the west of us. Their address is 4425 West Ina Road. That's 4425 West Ina Road. Their phone number is 744-4454. That's 744-4454. That's a lot of fours. They're open Monday through Friday, 7.30 to 5.30. They're open Saturdays, 8 to 12. They can get your vehicle painted. They restore headlights, uh, do pinstriping, window tinning. Uh, They also have a detail center. So give them a call, 744-4454. That's Spectrum Ina Road Auto Collision. Again, you can call in today at 719-1490. That's 719-1490. we got open lines today. This is Brian with Automotive Specialist. And for those of you who are 
looking for us, we're at 3611 West Dinah Road. That's in the Michaels Bookman's Plaza. Southeast corner, Ina and Meredith. Our phone number is 572-1734. That's 572-1734. It's Automotive Specialist. And remember, test first, don't guess, and use evidence-based diagnostics. Are you still with us, Jerry? Yeah, I'm still with you, I think. Am I still with you? I hear you. All right, good. I'm still with you. You're um, on on the um, what what are the primary vehicles on that little viscous transfer case so that the people out there will understand that don't know they actually have one? What well, all your little you know, little SUVs that are, have all-wheel drive. They've got a little tiny transfer case in them, mm-hmm. and you know, do you re- I've got do you a lot of pe- what the- people. I've I've got people that have come in here first time customer to automotive specialist, and we check when we do an oil service, we're checking everything, and you'd be surprised uh-huh. how many of those vehicles that are first time into us. We can tell if that little transfer case oil was ever checked because there will be evidence of a wrench being on it or something or the other, or the dirt and grime will be cleaned off of the access, you know, level checking hole. So, you know, it, it it's just back to like we always say, you know, find a good repair facility, stick with them so we can build a history with you. Good advice. Good advice. Uh, and if you don't know, okay, go All ahead. Right. We got a guy on the line. All right, patch him through. Morning, Steve. Morning. I think it's morning. It's still black out there, but. Uh... Uh, I had a question about my uh, conversion van. It's a 97 conversion van, Chevy, uh, with side uh, the side doors, and they're, uh, uh, they're not sliding doors. They're just conventional sliding, two-part two sliding doors. Um, my, I think they call it an activator, seems to be uh, going on it. And uh, w- with my clicker... I have to use uh, several clicks to get it open, closed, and uh, it does have a key slot. So I thought perhaps, you know, as an alternative, I could use the key and in an emergency and get in and out. But it doesn't doesn't open with the key. It doesn't work. And I'm wondering, are they connected? And um, you know, it seems weird to me that. Um, they would, they would be, but they may be. And the second part of this is, uh, are those activators, uh, are they available? And um, whether they're, um, um, it's a mechanical or an electrical uh, uh, 
job, uh, whether it's strictly a mechanical replacement uh, or is it... Uh, well, the, you're talking about the automatic sliding doors, correct? Yeah, and it's not sliding, sliding it's an open. The fronts work, the front passenger uh, and the drivers work with my clicker, but the side, the side door... The side doors don't want to work. Uh, they do. Well, know, they're, 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 they're working, but you know they're going. I had, to, I had to bring two. one, two clicks. Oh, you got to do five. I had to bring features with her. Okay, we'll just follow that Pardon trailer me? in. Okay. Sorry, Brian. Well, I'd have to get this vehicle in and uh, you know take a look at it. Uh, you know, you you could have an electrical problem. You could have a mechanical problem. Um, it could be both. Um, your remote key fob is probably okay because you said the front doors work okay. It's just the back ones don't. Right. Um, it could be a matter of, you know, the back ones don't get used as often, so the mechanism is gummed up and, and it's just not moving. Oh. So I'd have to get that in and possibly pull the... Uh, door cards off and take a look at the uh, mechanical and electrical portion of that. Yeah. And why is it that the key doesn't work? Is that, is it, is, aren't they separate? You know what I mean? By yeah. There are two different things. So, you know, there's an actuator. The key doesn't turn anything. It doesn't turn at all. No. Yeah, it could be a problem with the lock cylinder. That's independent of, of the activator? Yep. Actually, absolutely. Okay. Again, we'd have to get it in and, you know, get the door card off and right. investigate as to what's going on inside of there. Is, that, is it available, those, those uh, items? That's the 97. That might be tough. Um, Today, you know, car parts for these older vehicles are getting harder and harder and harder to come by. You know, it's uh, a lot of these things are getting discontinued. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, get it into your favorite repair shop, have them do some investigating to see what's going on with these things before they fail to work at all. Okay, appreciate it. Thank you. You bet. Thanks for calling, Steve. Again, we got open lines today. You can call in at 719-1490. That's 719-1490. This is Brian with Automotive Specialist, your host today. And we were talking about, you know, preventive maintenance and different things. What about your battery? A battery's a battery, a battery, right? Just walk into the store and pick out the cheapest one and put it in your vehicle and it'll work, right? How you doing? Not always true. Not always true. You need to go with the correct battery for your vehicle because you are driving a computer with wheels. You know, we've got a particular vehicle in here that's check engine lights on, it uh, hesitates, misfires, it's got about 20 different codes in it, which is really odd that 
that many different things are broken. Okay? So what do we do first? You, you know, we've got low-voltage codes, too. And uh, it you have to get in and do the proper diagnostics. Yeah, record all those codes that you have, but then go in and start checking for voltage because remember I said one of those codes was a low-voltage code, okay? So we get into the tests on this thing, and we go to the alternator, and it's only putting out about or it was putting out about 14.1 volts, which is fine. <clears throat> but we get to the battery, which this particular car, the car, the battery's in the trunk. <clears throat> That's a long ways away from that alternator. Well, at the battery, it's only getting about 13 volts. We got a problem. This thing needs yeah. to have more voltage than that because the computer sends out low voltage, which in some cases five volts out to the sensors is reference voltage out, and then it has ref reference voltage returned to the computer. If we have low voltage, well, we got a problem. For instance, on an ABS system, the ABS computer will set a code if the voltage goes below 12 volts or 11.8. So it's very important, uh, you know, that we have the proper voltage in the vehicle. We've got somebody else on the line here? No, we're doing it. Uh, I don't know. No, I had somebody talking to me. I see. Sorry. I don't know of any. I haven't been notified. So that's the answer. All right, man. Like I said, you know, not all batteries are the same. Uh, you know, you've got the old wet cell batteries. You've got now AGM, which is a absorbed glass mat. You've got EFB, enhanced flooded battery. There's a lot of different batteries out there, and these batteries come in all different strengths or the ability to keep your computer with wheels running down the road. You know, when I was talking about alternators, what does that thing do? It keeps that battery alive. An alternator is a battery maintainer. It's not a battery charger. For instance, if your battery is dead or near dead, your engine's cranking over super slow and you need to jump start it, that doesn't mean go drive it around and let the alternator charge up your battery. You should put a battery charger on it and charge it up first. Because what will take out a battery? Well, a bad, or take out an alternator, a bad battery, a battery that's going south and doesn't have enough power, the alternator's going to do what it's supposed to do. It's going to try and charge that battery up, but it can stress it out to the point where it takes an alternator out. I've seen vehicles where, you know, people jumpstart them, drive them around, jumpstart them, drive them around, and then all of a sudden <laughs> they need an alternator too on top of a battery. 
You know, that's one of the reasons that we check these batteries every time the vehicle comes in for service, for an oil service. We're checking the battery. You'd be surprised. Absolutely. Be very surprised well, how many of these things. 24 to 30 months on a battery in Tucson, southwest. That seems to be pretty much the average. If you go past 30 months, you're driving on borrowed time. So why not get it Generally checked out so. by... Yeah, why not get it checked out by Brian or Simmons or Parker and find out how much life you got left based on cold cranking amps. And then you don't get any surprises. Of course, it don't get cold. I'm out in it right now, and I'm going to tell you something. Over here at the University of Arizona Farm, and it is cold out here. Any way you want to put it, it's cold. So, you know, don't get any big surprises here, people. Get it checked out. We do have the t- the we do have the technical ability to tell you what condition your battery's in. And when you're inspecting the battery, if it's got the white stuff climbing all over the the leads, the hot uh, the hot leads, the cold leads, uh, you've got an issue, and it needs to be attended to. Because if you can't properly charge the battery when you're going down the road, or you're running it. Uh, you just, it's, it's not working and it will fail and it'll, it's not going to fail in your parking lot. <laughs> it'll fail in one in Phoenix, one in Casa Grande. It'd be like chasing Merle's park stores around trying to find out where, where I need to park it before I can find something and not actually down me for the day. So that's all I got. Yeah, pay attention. You know, these batteries, I mean, I've seen too many come in, especially, you know, when we get this temperature swing, when it goes from, you know, our 100-degree temperatures down to 30, 40, I see a lot of battery failures. Um, You know, a 600-cold-cranking-amp battery isn't supposed to have 300-cold-cranking-amps. It's supposed to have six. You know, yeah, 300 will still start your car, but it's working that little alternator just as hard as it can. And let me tell you, today, these alternators, they're not cheap either. I mean, an alternator repair today can, you know, go four to $700 in the blink of an eye. Right. Very expensive. Very expensive. And pay attention, too, to yep. your battery cables. They're not supposed to have that white and green stuff growing all over them. <laughs> you know, back in the yeah, day, if it did... You know, that, that corrosion will climb backwards inside of that cable, and the cable will get all fat and look different. Back in the day, there was enough extra cable there. You could just cut that cable off and put a new cable end on. Well, welcome to the day. Contrary to belief, copper costs money. So they don't leave that extra six inches or so of cable on the end of these battery cables. They make them exactly the length they need to be to hook onto that battery. So the option of cutting it off and putting a new cable end on is gone. Now, if you have some of these that are really severely corroded, you may have to replace it. And it's not like the old day where you went into the parts store and bought you a new battery cable, and the guy would ask you, well, what's the length on that thing? Is it 12, 24? What is it? I've got all these hanging here, all different lengths. Well, it's not that case today. 
that positive battery cable has part of the engine harness along with it, and it goes over to the power distribution box, which is a big fuse box underneath the hood. Very expensive, both in parts and labor. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. Again, we got open lines today at 719-1490, 719-1490. You can give us a call. This is Brian with Automotive Specialist. Mr. Test first, don't guess. Well, we're coming up at the top of the hour. How much time we got left here? All right, thank you. Oh, okay. What about brake well, Jerry, why don't you give them Brian? The... Well, that's Go something ahead. that's extremely important. Um, again, this is something that we're doing when the vehicle's up in the air, measuring mm -hmm. the thickness of your brake pads. Uh, and I mean in millimeters. Some people will think, well, I can tell you that you've got 50% of your brake pad left. Well, that's your perception. 50% of what? <laughs> I don't know anybody. Exactly. I mean, pads do come in different thicknesses. You can't go by percentages. You need to go by millimeters. We measure the brake pads every time the vehicle comes in for an oil service. And generally when they you know, are new, they're 8 to 10, 12 millimeters if you've got a big diesel. But you start thinking about replacing them when they get down to about three millimeters, because that you know if the pads are getting really thin, they can't dissipate dissipate the heat across them anymore. Um, they could get hot enough that the pad material actually delaminates itself from the uh, metal backing for it. So it's very important, you know, get in there, measure these pads, and do it every time you get your oil changed and report back. You know, that's part of our inspection when we're checking the car out, when we're changing the oil. Just have a quick look around. It doesn't take very long. Yeah, just tell him to hang on. We'll get, we'll pick him up after the top of the hour. You're welcome. Uh, okay, so the caller is going to hang on past the break, and then we'll take that call. Yep. Uh, on the uh, windshield wipers, windshield wiper blades, at that time of the year, I'm sitting out here looking up at the, uh, the sky. When I fed this morning at 4 o'clock, there was no clouds in the skies. It was all stars. And now I see some black clouds coming in. And they're coming in all around the Catalinas, and they're coming in from the southeast, it looks like. So uh, it, windshield wiper blades, real critical. Uh, just go ahead, and you know how to inspect them now if you've been listening to the show. If you're looking for something that's cracked at the end of the wiper blade itself, it goes down to the windshield. And you're looking for something when you raise the blade up off the windshield. If that thing is rolled up in a half circle, that's the way it's. That's the way it's going to try to do the rest of it. So heads up. All right. We'll be back in a few. Thanks. 